Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome back fight fans to the big fight reaction to this weekend's action that we've just witnessed a huge card in texas as we talked about on our preview show and i think it delivered on quite a few levels johnston you're here as always to break down what happened over the weekend we looked at sam eggington in the preview show he got a great victory becoming the ibo super welterweight champion over the past weekend so there's a lot to discuss and i think the best place to start is obviously Bam Rodriguez, isn't it? We've got to start with Rodriguez. Like the title of this episode mentions that he, you know, he isn't just a fluke. No, he isn't. He's just proven, and he's just beaten two high-quality world operators. One in a Hall of Fame legend in Rungvasai, and he's just done it in emphatic fashion. Very, very impressed with him with that performance over the weekend. What did you make of his combination punching, his counter punching, the way he used to spin off as well? Of Rungvazai, I thought it was really impressive, and Rungvazai just was made to look an aged fighter. He was that uh, Jesse Rodriguez is bam. Uh, it is absolutely talented fighter, real top class talent, and and for being so young at 22, it, it's a fantastic achievement for him already to to win a title and 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 hold on to it against someone like Rung Rungvazai who who was a big puncher and I mean I didn't watch it live unfortunately I, I couldn't stay up we was talking about watching this card in general I've just caught up on the fights the next morning unfortunately but I did enjoy watching every single round every minute of it uh, I felt that Rang Vizier was looking to try and take him to the distance and hopefully try and land something but he landed a few shots those that did hit Rodriguez and he stood up to him and his movement shown I mean the way he pivots and spins off it's just beautiful to watch it really is and it is very very Lomachenko-like, isn't it? He's, he's almost that good. He's just so slick. Uh, and not only that, he's shown power. 
Uh, and we, no one really felt that Rang Vizal was going to get stopped by him. If, I did hear people suggest that he's going to outclass him, outschool him in every single round. And people were like, whoa, that's a big statement. Because it was. I mean, Rang Vizal, yes, he's been around the block for a while, but he's a genuine super flyweight, genuine power, big guy. And we've seen that with Chocolito. Although Chocolito was going through his problems back then, uh, Rang Vizal dealt with him twice. But Rodriguez was just sublime. He really was. And, I mean, what what is next for this kid? I mean, the, the possibility of a Chocolito and Estrada fight is pretty much in touching distance. And, I mean, we we, we discuss what to do after. Prefer, preferably, I would rather have one more fight at this division just to allow Chocolito and Estrada to have their trilogy because I think that's a fight that needs to happen. If he takes one of them on, the chances are one of them gets beat and we don't see that trilogy. So uh, he's put his name right in the mix, social, isn't he? Top, top class fighter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a shame for Rodriguez now because obviously while waiting for that trilogy to happen, you know, the other fighter in the division I'd like to have seen him fight is Kosai Tanaka, but he's already fighting, uh, you know, so that's that's a bit of a a bit of a problem really in the fact that he's now got away. Obviously, he's fighting this, this coming week, so we'll get to see him possibly you know, they might actually end up being able to fight. That would be the fight I'd like to see uh, against Tanaka. That would be a good fight in between potentially fighting the winner of Gonzalez versus Estrada in their, in their rematch. But, you know, there are other fighters in the division he could certainly look at in the meantime as well. And I think looking at what he's done so far, the way he's moved up, the way he's just been so emphatic in doing what he's doing, I think is a statement and a testament to the maturity he's showing at the age of 22. You know, I said this, you know, is it going to be a fluke? Is it just going to be a one-off performance where, I mean, a bit like Tiafimo, really. Tiafimo's one-off performance against Lomachenko and then in the next fight loses it to Cambosis and seemingly looks like a completely different fighter. But for me, Rodriguez, he looks like a superstar. And it sort of begs the question, doesn't it, about is this guy a future pound-for-pound fighter? Is he a future pound-for-pound top 10? And, you know, we've put our little lists together, like we always do, of potential future pound-for-pound stars that are currently 25 years or younger throughout the weights. And, Johnston, do you want to just sort of run through these lists and and just talk to our listeners about, you know, where where we sort of sit with these guys and the types of fighters like Rodriguez that are potentially going to be guys that are in there in the next couple of years? Yeah, I I think the point of this is the discussion is the fact that Jesse Rodriguez was just so good. He's 22 years years old, and his 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 performances have been just outstanding. And and the question is, is people have actually said that he deserves to now be as a top 10 pound for pounder. Now we don't necessarily think that. We think that there's a few more hurdles for him to jump through before he gets to that. But the chances are he could be in there within the next 12 months to two years quite easily. And not only would he be in the top 10, could he potentially be one of the best ever? I mean, look. You look at the current top 10 at the minute, the only one that's sort of under 25 that we feel probably deserves to be in there is, is Devin Haney. I mean, Shakur Stevenson is the other name uh, as well that, that probably features in a lot of people's top 10s. But then after that, you know, you've got the U6 uh, because obviously him winning that, being undisputed cruiserweight, he deserves to be in there. I don't like to put heavyweights in there, but he was undisputed cruiserweight. It has to be for me. I think that is the one thing I would say he'd probably sit number one. And you've got Alvarez, Crawford. Look, no older guys, but Anua, Spence Jr., Charlo, after his performances recently. Roman Chocolito still in there, we feel. Paterviev, Bivol, and as I said, Haney. And then the rest of the other guys, you've got Golovkin, you've got Lamanchenko, Fulton Jr., Taylor, 
and uh, Kiyoguchi. Those type of guys are the ones that are sort of in and around that top 10 for many. Uh, and so what we did was a little list of our under 25 future stars. How many of these guys could potentially be pound for pounders? So in the flyweight division, you've got uh, Junto Nakatani, uh, 24 years old, holds the WBO title. The super flyweight division, obviously, as mentioned, Jesse Rodriguez has the WBC title. And he's the youngest of them all at 22, probably the best, really. You've got Mauricio Lara at 24 at featherweight. Shaka Stevenson, as I said, holds two titles in the super featherweight division. Devin Haney, undisputed at lightweight. Then you've got Tiafino Lopez and Ryan Garcia. Uh, also in the lightweight division, Virgil Ortiz Jr. at welterweight, as with obviously Jaron Boots Ennis. The other name we sort of threw in there in welterweight because he's under 25 is Connor Ben. He's had a good few years or a good year. And uh, the other one is a super middleweight, um, which is David Benavides, who's 25 years of age. So, I mean, Sean, I mean, the question is, out of those fantastic young talents that are coming through, how many of these guys could make that top 10 and potentially push out the Canelos and the Crawfords and the U6 in the next few years? I think at least half of them. I think at least half of them yeah. on that list would definitely make it. I think Rodriguez, based on what he's done in his last fight and the way he's dispatched Cajares and Rungvasai, I think he's definitely on, on course to do that. Shakur Stevenson, absolutely. Some people already have him there now. Devin Haney, most people already have him there now. Tiafimo, don't really know what's going on with him at the moment. Not so sure whether he will make it. Garcia, Again, not so sure because he just hasn't had a, a fight which people can legitimise about him yet. And until he wins a world title and, and starts to fulfil potential, he's not going to get there. Virgil Ortiz, again, definitely got the potential to be there. I could see him being there. Uh, Boots Ennis, it's a, it's a certainty for me. I think this guy will be in that top 10 in the next 12 to 18 months. Connor Ben. I remain sceptical about that. Apparently, there is going to be an announcement this week that Conor Ben, supposedly, and I don't know if this is 100% true, but he's supposedly supposed to be fighting Keith Furman, which is a huge fight for him, a huge step up. So, Conor Ben, potentially in the next 18, 24 months, could he be there? Well, if he beats the likes of Furman and moves on and potentially wins a world title, then yeah, absolutely. Benavidez, absolutely the same. Needs to clean up. He's got to face Canelo to do that. If he does... Then potentially, yeah, he could definitely do it. So I'd say there's probably half of them guys in that list that, for me, would make it into the top 10. And you've got to look at some of the guys' ages that we've got in there. Alexander Usyk, for example. I think if you know he were to beat Anthony Joshua, if Tyson Fury fights him and then that fight happens and whoever wins, whoever loses, I think both of them would retire at that point. Usyk being 35, Terence Crawford, 34 waiting for that big fight with Spence. I think if he beats Spence, would he stick around? I don't see why he would need to after that. Uh, Neo Onue, couple of years. Spence, 32, he's got a couple of years. Jamel Charlo, 32, couple of years. Gonzalez, definitely on a timer at the moment for his career. I'd definitely say one, maybe two years tops. But Turbia, 37, definitely only two years left in the game, maybe. I think if he, if he cleans up the light heavyweight division, what else is there for him to do? Maybe move up to heavyweight, but I couldn't see him staying in that top 10 with all these talents. Bivol's 31, obviously Heine is 23, as we just mentioned. The likes of Golovkin, Lomachenko, you know, these guys are going to be coming to the end of their careers very shortly, so I think that kind of puts it out of the question just a little bit for me, but I think it's a great conversation 
obviously to be having. You know, there are other current champions that are over the age of 25. We've got Julio Cesar Martinez at WBC title, who was supposed to be fighting this past weekend against McWilliams Arroyo, which didn't happen. Pulled out injured. Uh, Juan Francisco Estrada at 30. You've got Kazuto Ioka at 33. Emmanuel Navarati at 27. Josh Warrington at 31. And Myrus Bradis at 37, also fighting this coming weekend. So, you know, these are the other guys that are around that are over the age of 25, which could be in with a potential argument in the future of being there, depending upon what they do over the course of the next 12 months. But it's always a subjective debate. I think the focus for us was about the future pound-for-pound stars, the guys that were 25 years or younger. And I think there's some great names on that list. And I think if anybody has any other names that they want to throw into the mix, by all means, let us know on social media. You can find us, as always, at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Just let us know what you think about that. We think there's definitely going to be at least half of them guys on that list going to be in there. Lots of talented fighters, Johnson, and I think over the course of the next two years, there's definitely going to be a shift around. There will, and I think the other thing is, with, with guys like Rodriguez at super flyweight, how long is he going to stick around? I mean, he could still drop down to flyweight. Uh, I think I'd prefer him to sort of stick around at Superfly and as you mentioned uh, uh, Tanaka or, or Ioko uh, Ioko there's another good fight for him just while as we've said Chocolito coming into the end of his career Estrada fight I think that's got to happen this year and I think it will and I think that just will it's not going to delay anything for Rodriguez as a young boy so it's down to him if he drops down to flyweight and sticks around at Superflyweight and takes on a couple of the Japanese fellas which I think is a good shout I think they have great fights for him top top world-class fighters as well so but i just think he's elite and i think out of those names i mean i think rodriguez stevenson and ennis i think they're the three that really stick out for me i think them three i mean you think rodriguez 22 stevenson 24 and ennis 25 i think those three in particular you're going to see him in the top three top five of the pound for pound and many pound for pound lists across the board probably from 2023 onwards 2024 maybe but they are stars in a way and they're going to move up in weight as well so you know boots ennis how long will he stick around the i think he could easily become a middleweight you know you think stevenson could move up to lightweight i mean he could he could move up to lightweight pretty soon and, and he'd be challenging the likes of devon haney and lopez and garcia so there's some i mean lightweight division stacked and obviously, uh, Rodriguez has got that potential moving up. I mean, you could even see, imagine Rodriguez against um, Inoue at some point. That's a strong possibility, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. Some great fights down the line. We'll get back to the rest of the weekend's action then from that same card. We mentioned, obviously, Martinez Arroyo was cancelled because Martinez wasn't able to fight. He pulled out injured, being ill at the last minute. Uh, so we'll move on to the other fights on their card. Akhmedaliev, uh, or, or Akhmedaliev, as the uh, US commentators call him, uh, got the TKO in 12 rounds over Ronnie Rias in the final round as well. And you know what? I actually got to enjoy this particular fight because I felt Rios was, he was there, he wasn't just there to make up the numbers, he was there and he tried to win early in that fight, the fourth round in particular was a standout round for me with both of these fighters but as time went on throughout the course of the fight it seemed to be that Akhmedaliyev actually started to get through with the more hurtful shots, when he hurt him early in the fight with the body shot, you could see Rios was covering up and I think that affected him for, for the course of the fight and I think that's when he started to as time went on, started to back off a little bit, and I think he knew he couldn't match Akhmedaliyev for power, so he tried to evade and tried to get out of the way, but he was very competitive throughout the course of the fight, and he took Akhmedaliyev all the way till the very end, until he literally 
bludgeoned Ronnie Rios into submission where the referee literally had to step into the fight and say, no, that's enough punishment that he's taking. So another great victory for, for Ahmed Alayev now, which surely now puts him arguably alongside the likes of Stephen Fulton in the division and Brandon Figueroa, for example, as you know, the best guys of the division. I think the, the dream fight really for, for the super bantamweight division at the moment would be Fulton versus Ahmed Alayev. It would, and as you say, it was a great performance from, I'm going to call him MJ, people are calling him MJ, so that sounds, that's good for me, uh, it's better than Akhmil uh, however you want to pronounce it, so MJ for me, and uh, it, good performance, really, really was, uh, as you say, wore him down in the end, uh, good finish in the end, and yeah, I mean, it's a, it should be a fight that needs to happen, I mean, the one we were talking about these young kids, I mean, there's so many undisputed champions at the minute, it's crazy, we were able to identify a lot of these guys that are number one and I think people are looking at Fulton Jr. Many, including us, feel that he is the better fighter and probably is the number one in the division. But MJ's got a chance now to prove himself. So why not take the opportunity with both fans? You know, they're both 27. They're both still got a few years left in them and maybe the southpaw stance and the fact that after a while with the body shots and the pressure, maybe he could force Fulton into uh, making a mistake I, I don't think so. I mean I just think Fulton Jr has got too much arm he's got too much in the locker he can he can fight on the outside or the inside whatever he prefers and whoever however he feels he could beat an opponent I do think he's a little bit more special but I think for it to happen Sean we've got to see these guys fight there's no point in us always talking about these future fights I think they've been coming recently and I think if they can just follow the trend I think we will see this fight before the year's out yeah, it'd be great if we could. I think it'd be a huge fight. I just hope they don't try to marinate it and, and stew on this fight for another 12 months. That's that's the worst, because obviously we, we don't know what Anue is going to do if he faces Butler and cleans up the division, you know, in, in the Bantamweight division. I think then maybe Anue looks looks for the super fight, maybe then with Fulton. So that might hinder the possibility of um, Delia Fulton. But for me, I don't see why now. They've both just had a fight. We're, we're in June, so why not, you know, October, November, time why couldn't they get it on you know that'd be a natural fight for them two to have it'd be a fantastic fight and then it could lead into a super fight this is just us as always just really fantasizing about the way we would do it if we was boxing promoters if we had that sort of sway we'd want to see these fights we'd be wanting to make these fights because they're big money fights big money fights big draws absolutely have to happen so great performance there from Ahmed Alayev to pick up that victory in the final round of the fight Jessica McCaskill got the victory after Ibarra quit on a school after the end of the third round. But, you know, I'm going to be quite critical of McCaskill for this fight. I thought she looked really wild, really rugged. She didn't really show any finesse in the fight. And she was just... She didn't look like a unified welterweight champion. That's what I'm going to say. She didn't look like the same McCaskill that went into the breakhouse fights and put on a boxing masterclass on two occasions against the former champion the long-standing champion this looked like the McCaskill of old to me the reverting to type and just throwing these really wild overhand shots is it because she thought Ibarra was going to be a a softer touch did she think she could get away with it against Ibarra obviously it paid off in the end because Ibarra couldn't take the punishment but we were talking about a potential of Katie Taylor moving back up and then looking at fighting McCaskill in a rematch for the unified welterweight crown. On that performance, Katie Taylor wins it all day. Easy, easy pickings for her on that performance. Again, is it just because she thought she could get away with it against Ibarra? What did you make of that? Yeah, um, I, th- I think you're right. I, th- I think the, the natural feeling for, I think, Jessica was to just 
get in there and get rid of her. Um, and and I don't think she feared too much of what a bar was going to be giving back to her. I, th- I think that's that's what it was. I, that's the only thing I can really think of. And and I think you sort of it is it's a weird one because I suppose I mean Abaro, you know, she sat at number two. It, for many people in this division, you know, she she had some decent fights against some, you know, and come up short. But the fact of the matter was, is Jessica was a level above. But as you say, I mean, there was no finesse in there. It was it was rushed. It, it was almost like she just wanted to just get the job done and, and get home. And in the end, she did get she got that. She <laughs> she obviously Abaro, uh had to retire. But yeah, it didn't look great. It wasn't. It's not a performance you're going to look back on and think, "Well, that's the performance there." Jessica, Jessica's proven to us that she could now beat a Taylor or a Cameron. But I think the fact is, is that yeah, I, I just think it was that strong. I think it, she's just like, "I'll get rid of her as quick as I can," and hopefully, the idea of it is get rid of her quickly, and then um, I can get a fight in in the next couple of months. I mean, I'm, that's that's the sort of the hope of it. And um, yeah, whether whatever she decides to do, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> We want to see the big fights. There are fights out there for. I mean, the Katie Taylor's obviously one, and and obviously, uh, yeah, whether she moves up or down, I don't know. Uh, there's some great fights, but yeah, I think it's just a rush job, Sean, just to get it over. Hopefully, it's going to be rushed to get her back out. To be honest with you. We'll see. We'll see what happens for her. Uh, Raymond Ford continued his undefeated streak, getting the victory over Richard Medina. Nikita Abibi got the victory over eight rounds, unanimous decision. And Jesus Martinez got the victory of a unanimous decision over four rounds after being down in round number three, which is a little bit of a shocker for him in his uh, second professional fight, but certainly will give him that uh, learning from adversity moment in his career. So that was the, the, the Texas card. That was the card we were really looking forward to based on what we saw did you think it lived up to expectation um yeah i mean it, it was i think the two main the fact was was that the uh rang fight with with rodriguez it wasn't close but what was brilliant about it was just to see rodriguez and harry was able to just you know it, it was just a joy to watch uh, i think many felt it's going to be a lot closer it's going to go the distance it didn't i mean jesse rodriguez was outstanding so it, that delivered to an extent because we've got to witness some fantastic fighting from from Jesse. But and then obviously you know with MJ he's done well. He's had a good fight with Rios. They've gone a distance. So I suppose yeah uh, that was again it was it was what we expected, wasn't it? So there was no shocks. And obviously with uh, Jessica it wasn't a great performance from her. But you know she's hopefully she's just looking at the bigger picture and trying to uh, get some bigger fights. But in general I think it, it did go as it as we expected. Um, but yeah, I think those three fights, I think the Jessica McCaskill fight was with the letdown of the night. Uh, full done well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Martinez, Jesus Martinez, he got his win. Um, so yeah, look, I think it delivered. Um, and I think they were all pretty close apart from the main event and the McCaskill fight. Well, let's move on to the Sam Eggington card then. The card that we wanted to see here in the UK I got to enjoy Sam Eggington's performance this weekend. I just feel a little bit disappointed that he wasn't able to put Primaslaw Zeke out of his misery throughout the course of the fight. The amount of times that he hurt Zeke throughout the course of that fight was, was, was I think it was about six or seven times he hurt him quite significantly. And you think, yeah, he's going to finish this now. He's going to finish it. And he's usually a, a great finisher 
when he's got a fire in that position, but he was unable to do it. And that's probably testament to this because he obviously is a very tough opponent. He had some pretty good fundamentals, to be honest with you. Like He's 18-0, and, and obviously he'd not really fought anybody, as we said, and he'd always fought in his native home country of Poland. But, you know, with the right trainer, I actually think he could be a pretty decent fighter. And that's the one thing I took away from that performance. But the other thing I took away was that it was just a Sam Eggington stereotypical performance he didn't look any different than what he always does I think he was just fighting a guy who maybe lacked a little bit more than what he needed to 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 match up against Sam and even though he was naturally the bigger guy Zisk yeah Higginton bullied him he absolutely bullied him around the ring which I was really surprised about he just couldn't finish the job for some reason he wasn't able to to get him out of there but and the but is he's become the IBO World Super Welterweight Champion. And we spoke about this in the preview episode about what that will mean for his career. And I think we all forget that Sam Eggington has been around the sport since he was 19 when he took on the prize fighter tournament and that's the first time I saw him in the ring and I remember watching it with my wife and she's like I really like this kid you know he's a really really great fighter he's great to watch and you know I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him in the future and we have we've seen him in some absolutely fantastic fights and he's still 28 years of age he's a very battle-worn 28 years of age I just question I question how long he will have left in this sport because of the fact that he uses his face to defend a lot. So I'm just wondering, like, what has he got left in the sport? We mentioned if he wins this title, he could move on to be a future opponent of the bigger names in the division. And we spoke about Jamel Charlo fighting Tim Zhu. We spoke about Sebastian Fundora. You mentioned Erickson Lubin in the preview episode as being a potential opponent. You've still got the likes of Tony Harrison knocking around there. Uh, you've even got a potential fight with Liam Smith, who Liam Smith Liam Smith beat him before and shown that they were level. So is that a route for Liam Smith to go down, you know, to potentially win a world title again in this division? I think that would be a, a good domestic world title rematch between the two of them or could Brian Carlos Castano versus Sam Eggington be a fight because that would be an absolute oh. bar burner wouldn't it that that would be the fight I would like to see anyway out of them all <laughs> yeah I mean that is even afterwards after the fight Sam was like you know we, we didn't know we was going to even get this far you know it, it's just it's it's this is the pinnacle and for him for a fighter like Sam, who is limited in what he can do, but he's a rough-ass fighter, uh, 28 years of age, and he's, you know, he, he is very old, 28. I mean, let's face it, that is an absolute true saying there. How much has he actually got left in the tank? I would love for him to get a big fight over in America. I think I would, I would, I think he deserves that. I mean, if, if you really want to see a cracking fight, then, you know, with Ted Cheeseman, they're going to have a great, they can have a second one, and that could be an absolute barn burner but there are levels there are levels and, and the levels are quite high when you look at sort of Liam Smith and, and sort of Tim Zhu I mean it caused Tim Zhu some problems though you know you really would but then you look at Castano and Fondora and Charlo and you know he's not got a chance look let's face it he hasn't but the, the other guy that I did mention is Lubin and the only reason why I mentioned Lubin is because he Lubin will outschool him he would outschool him pretty much every single round but if if Sam landed on Lubin I think he he, he would he, he would get rid of him honestly. I mean he might not get he might not hit him, but Lubin gets hit, and, and we've we've witnessed that. And when he does get hit, you know he, he's going to get taken out. I mean he showed good heart and grit against Fandora. Don't get me wrong, he even put him down early, and his face was just a mess, wasn't it, after Lubin? But I think if there's anyone to target, 
it's that person. But you know, if any, if you've got your wits about you, the Lubin team surely would be looking at Eggers and saying, nah, nah, it's just it's it's a no-win fight. But for Eggen, it would be a win-win for him, even if he loses. People expect him to lose, but it's a big name. And if he won it, I mean, then you could look at maybe a world title fight. But I do think she'll look. It is limited. It's just getting some money in the bank, and I think a visit to America on a, on a decent on a big card, maybe a sort of the co-main event against someone like a Lubin or even going like to a Castano, that's just money in his pocket. And I think that's what he needs. To, he's, it, like, I mean, how many fights has he got left, Sean? I mean, let's be honest. We keep saying it and he keeps coming back. But at 28, I think he's got to be retiring in a couple of years, surely. Well, he's had 39 fights now. 39 fights throughout his career it's at incredible. the age of 28. And, you know, it's not like a Canelo who's not too far away from him in age and who's had, like, what, 50-odd fights. The difference with that is that you look at the Eggington fights and they've all been wars. The majority of them have been wars that he's been in. The big fights of his career have been wars. So how many wars can you get involved in before you start to decline earlier as a fighter? And I think it won't be long before that happens to him. And I think if you could get to the age of 30, having put some real good money in his pocket, potentially upset the apple cart somewhere along the line with a big fight victory, uh, and retires at the age of 30 with some good finances behind him, then you know what? He's well more than overachieved. He is one of the biggest overachievers then in, in the sport for us. Anthony Crawler, one of my friends, you know, good good friend of mine, Anthony Crawler, he was an overachiever and he knows it as well. He knows he overachieved in his career. He got nothing to the pinnacle. He, you know, there isn't nothing wrong with it. You're right, there's nothing wrong with it. He overachieved. Nobody expected him to get to that level. He managed to capture a world title. Sam Eggerton, okay, he's got a lightly regarded version of a world title in the IBO title, but it still gives him a little bit of credibility in terms of vying for a bigger fight out there when there are names in that division that would look at him and think, yeah, he is a limited fighter and yeah, I could dance rings around this guy and stop him. They might be very surprised by what he could bring to the table. He might rise to the occasion for a one particular fight and cause uh, cause an upset. But for us, we think he's a limited fighter. We think he'll only go so far. And it's proven that when he fought Liam Smith in particular, when he stepped up to that world level and we've seen what Liam Smith is about at world level... He couldn't do it. He, he got he got systematically broken down. So that just leads me to believe that that's what will happen to him again, unless he gets a guy like an Ericsson Lubin, who maybe has had his confidence shattered a little bit by that loss to Fundoro. Maybe a fight against him could do the job. Maybe a fight against Castano would be a fight of the year. The Americans would absolutely <laughs> lap. They'd lap, up, they'd lap it up, wouldn't they? They'd lap up a fight like that. They really would, because that you know that would then put Sam Eggington on the map there for a few more fights to make a bit more money for his career I'm just really happy he's actually exceeded expectation and I know he's limited I know he probably isn't going to go too much further now in the sport but I'm happy for him because he's just a genuine down-to-earth nice guy he come from a pretty much average upbringing like like most of us you know and and you know he's got to this part of his life so fair play to him it was good to see him get the win I'm hoping that he does get a big fight in the future but yeah fantastic for him to now be an IBO just, world super well to a champ one thing Sean before before I'm just going to butt in the one thing you don't want to see with Egerton is in 20 years time you want him to be able to tell his grandkids or whatever you know of these fights you don't want him to be getting fed you know in a in a in a, in a home by some nurse being fed his soup look that's the danger of it as well you know we, we might not see it now but 20 to 30 years from there he may be struggling and need some help and you don't want that to happen to Sam so I think that's the other end game he takes a lot of shots to the head 
maybe it's time just to try and get one big fight and then back away from it because you don't in the future you know we don't know what's going to happen with the amount of headshots he's taken it's going to take effect unfortunately and that's the danger of this sport yeah well said thank you for interjecting and mentioning that it's a very good point obviously you know we see these guys do this week in week out uh, and sometimes it doesn't always play out for them as they get towards the later stages of their life and you rightly pointed it out I hope Sam Eggington does choose to call time in his career when it's the right time uh, and he's able to live a comfortable life but yeah great victory for him uh, undercard then River Wilson Bent loses via split decision to Tyler Denny, who picks up the vacant English middleweight title. A pretty decent fight. Enjoyed that. He enjoyed the start. He enjoyed the fact that Tyler Denny has finally got himself uh, an English title. Uh, the third time of asking. River Wilson Bent was undefeated going into this, and he just looked shook up by a lot of the shots that were landed on him. Every time Tyler Denny bulldozed his way in and caught River Wilson Bent, you could see the effects the shot was having on him. And I can understand that's why why he got the decision on the card and why maybe other people felt like River Wilson-Bent might have won it because of the work that he did throughout the rounds. I think because he looked more significantly hurt every time he was touched, I think that's what the judges have saw. And I think they've saw it right on this occasion. I think they've actually saw that, you know, he was the right winner in Tyler Denny. I think it was a really good fight, a really good chief support. And, you know, overall, I was impressed uh, with the card. Um, I'll just go over a couple of the other fights before I let you jump in, Johnston, just to sort of mention them. To, to everybody listening Adam Azim super lightweight goes to 5-0 and TKO in the first round a lot of people on social media a lot of boxing fans are getting a bit excited about Azim. they really are getting excited about Adam Azim because they feel like he is going to be a superstar in the super lightweight division I'm yet to be sold that's all I'm going to say after five fights I'm yet to be sold he's looking good he's stopping people but once he goes up in levels, can he do the same thing again? That is the question I would propose to people getting a little bit overexcited about him. He does look good, but I think maybe when he's 10 fights down the line and two levels up, maybe, just maybe, then I can genuinely start to get excited about him as a prospect. But I'm not going to take anything away from the fact that he did look good in getting a TKO in the first round. What did you make of the Bent and Denny fight? And also, what do you make of Adam Azim as a prospect? Yeah, I enjoyed the uh, Wilson, Ben and Denny fight. I already got into that one, actually. And and as you say, uh, I'm, I'm sort of really pleased for Tyler Denny as well that he got the win. And I feel like he deserved it. I know it was a bit split at ringside. A few went for Wilson, Ben. I can understand the argument, but for me, I think I'm the same as you, Sean. I think Denny deserved it. But it was a good competitive fight, which is what you like to see. And, uh, yeah, please for Denny. Going to Adam Azim, I mean, look, there is a re- we just went through our, our youngsters. You know, you think our Rodriguez at 22 and what he's achieved. Look, he's, he's, a, he's a different, different grade. When you talk about Adam Aziz, I think with Sky, they do it a lot, don't they, Sean? They, they big up these names. He's going to be the next star. You know, yes, he's got rid of... What an average guy, eight and one. I mean, it's, it's it looks decent, I suppose. He got rid of him in one punch. The the biggest questions are going to be asked when he gets to his tenth professional fight, when guys actually can take his punch and they come back with something. Once we get to that stage, I think that's the time for us to start talking about whether he could potentially become a contender for a world title. Whether he's even going to still be in this division, he's a big guy. It seems like he may. And he's young, so he's going to develop and probably may even move up another weight before he even gets his world title shot. But yeah, it gets a little bit 
lopsided, I think. I think uh, Amir Khan did help things, sort of calling him a future champion. He was almost, <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, you, I, I think you're going to be one of the greatest, you know, it, 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 it's nice to hear for him. I mean, look what Joshua done after a few fights and we know what happened when he got hit eventually. Look, these guys get boosted up and then they get knocked down. I think the, the, you've got to be careful with these kids. So you can't be get, getting and giving too much of a big head because um, when he does get put down, mate, you know, he might not ever recover. That's be it. Like, be like Josh Kelly. Yeah, that's it. You, you, you make valid points. This is the point I'm trying to get to with it all. It's like you hype them up too much and when they do come up against somebody that can really test the metal and they get put down or hurt in the first time of the careers, that's when you get to see the real them. You get to know whether or not they are going to be that championship material. So let's just see. I'm just quite grounded about him at the moment and I want to see maybe after after 10 fights where he's at what level he's at is he still doing the same things he was doing four or five fights in then I can sort of make a more objective judgment on him so I'm just going to quickly run through the rest of the card then before we talk about a little bit of news over the past couple of days so victories for Corey Gibbs Aaron McKenna Casey Benjamin Shaquille Thompson carries art installing her featherweight debut got a great victory Scott Forrest and Dylan Chima all picked up victories on that card I mean it was quite a stacked card it mainly consisted as I said in the preview of Prospect versus Journeyman so it was understandable that it was going to be set up for these guys to be active and in the ring and hopefully all these fighters that I've mentioned will now start to get them step up in levels over the course of the next 12 to 18 months so that rounds up the the main fights of the weekend that we wanted to cover and we also wanted to go into a bit of housekeeping as we call it the news the last couple of days news i know news changes every single day and by the time we record the episode something else has probably already changed but i think the biggest piece of news coming out of the last week is the fact that eddie and barry hearn are looking at selling a portion of matchroom what did you make of that when you saw that news yeah, by a hundred and seven million. Um, that was interesting. It's like, was that like thirty or twenty-five percent of the company for a hundred and seventy-five million quid or dollars? And so, if anyone's got any spare change knocking about, maybe you can buy a portion <laughs> of Patrum. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what that's about. Really, it's interesting why they either. Either it's because Barry wouldn't mind an extra few million and he can just literally, I mean, he's already rich, but he could really retire and buy himself a mansion somewhere. I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe it's for Barry more than anything. But the other thing is maybe it's because they're, they're looking at the fact that, you know, has, how long is Eddie going to be around? He still seems like he's keen. He's, he's He wants to keep going. He's, he's still doing his usual, you know, he's still big Eddie Earn, isn't he? Let's be honest. But you do wonder, maybe he's looking in the distance for a little, you know, if he, he ain't going to put it this way, Eddie Earn is not going to be like Frank Warren uh, or uh, Bob Arum. Eddie won't be, he'll be around maybe for the next 10 years, possibly, possibly. And I say, even that's a push. And after that, I think you'll just see him sort of just become a pundit. And yeah, I don't think, I I don't think he's got the love of it enough to stick around like them two and um, like them two dinosaurs. But so I'm not surprised, Sean, to be honest with you. I, I think, um, yeah, I think he's, he's he's looking at the future, and I think buying a pul- selling a portion of it is probably not a bad idea for him and his dad. But the one thing I will say, jumping away from this subject, is Deontay Wilder saying that I'm definitely, definitely, definitely considering coming back. I thought that was one of the best quotes I've heard. Are you definitely, definitely considering? I don't know, but yeah, Deontay Wilder may be coming back as well. 
Yeah, Dante Wilder, will he come back? I think he could possibly look at the winner of Ruiz versus Ortiz. That's happening in, I think it's August, September time. Can't remember the exact date. I know that Andy Ruiz Jr. is finally fighting again after his win over Chris Ariola against Luis Ortiz, who seems to be still marching on, even at his ripe old age of, well, we don't know what his ripe old age is because nobody knows his real age. They say he's a certain age, but everybody debates whether or not he is that actual age. So that fight's happening. Uh, This week, we've also seen the first press conference, the first major press conference between Triple G and Canelo, the third and final rubber match between the two of them. I'm really looking forward to it, really looking forward to seeing it. And Canelo looks really, really intense in that stare down. He says it's personal to him, but Golovkin says it's just business. It's just, you know, it's just boxing to him. Why has Canelo made it so personal that he wants to demolish Golovkin you know like is it because he knows deep down as you've always rightly said Johnston he knew he lost that first fight but he was gifted he was gifted Mm -hmm. in that first fight whereas we all thought Golovkin should have been given the nod and he wasn't so is it that is it the, the sort of deep down conscience of him knowing that he needs to put that to rest before he moves on now or is it something else I don't know what it is with him why he really seems it seems to be a personal thing because if it was so personal to him why has it took this long to get the third fight on exactly and why did it take so long for him to even take the first fight initially because he was waiting for Golovkin to get up get old basically and like a fine wine he, he's aged pretty well uh, I do think you know we see it a lot with these trilogies at the third ones, unless it's uh, obviously Harley uh, and Fraser. The trilogies are don't tend to be as great. I'm saying that Wilder Fury did produce a, a, probably the best of their fights. So there was their third fight, but I just think Golovkin is pretty much 40 years old now. I think the body shots just gonna really gonna take its toll whether he stops Golovkin or not I, I would hate to see it but I think it's a strong possibility it might happen and I think it, it's almost one of them fights where if Golovkin wins it I will be so happy for him I'll be cheering on Golovkin I will be I'm a, I'm a huge Golovkin fan I don't think he's lost the fight I mean even the loss on his record I think was a draw and I think the, the draw was a win um, he got robbed saying that he's had some you know, the Jakers fight, people feel that Jakers might have edged that look, but I still think Golovkin is undefeated for me. I do. Um, and I, st- I still, that's how I see it. So 40 years old and Canelo, maybe it's that. Maybe I just got, I, I, I want to, re- maybe he's pissed off from Bivol. He wants to demolish Golovkin and then try and get back at Bivol. Mate, look, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I would 100% love Golovkin to win this fight. I just don't think it's going to happen, Sean. I don't. I think you, it's just going to be one of them ones where it's not going to be remembered like the first and the second, unfortunately. Maybe this is just to hype it up. Well, there's only one final bit of... <laughs> I won't say it's news, and I'm laughing straight away because it absolutely made me uh, laugh yesterday when I saw this video. And it was a video of Derek Chisora sat across the table from Kubrat Pulev. And they're doing, obviously, their promo for their face-off for their July 9th bout, which we'll be covering next week for a big fight preview, of course. And it was the fact that Derek Chisora was talking to Kubrat Pulev, who, you know, he understands quite a lot of English, but he was asking Kubrat Pulev about what gets him hard what gets him hard in the morning? And Derek Chisora was saying that he's, he's got a hard-on for Kubrat Pulev to his face. And then he also referred to a former opponent of Kubrat Pulev in Jerry Forrest. And he called him, I quote, a Timbuktu fat chick with a smelly pussy. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just at awe and in disbelief that Derek Chisora still gets away with this stuff even now. And this is what he said to Kubrat Pulev. You know... 
there's one thing I'll say about Derek. No matter what you think about where he's at in his career and whether he should just call it a day now, he certainly knows how to bring some weird and wild entertainment value to something, doesn't he? He is. He's off his head. I mean, the guy is a, he's a funny character. I mean, there is. we always cry out for a bit for characters in sport in general, and he certainly is one of them. But Harry gets away with some of the stuff, which is quite borderline. But, I mean, Pulev's had his problems in the past. I mean, it seems like they're, you know, they're, they're obviously <laughs> promoting it quite well. I mean, that's, Derek Chisora doesn't even need to really promote it. He, for some reason, the further he's got in his career, the fans just come out to see him. People will pay tickets. I mean, there are guys that are huge stars in boxing at the minute that, that couldn't get flies to shit. Seriously. And <laughs> Derek Chisora, for all the shit we give him and, and you know, he should retire. I mean, what, what, what sort of fight is this? He will still have 20,000 fans that will go and watch him fight. Easily. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? Paid fans that will put their hands in their pocket just to go and watch Derek fight. And um, look, you've, got to, you've got to give the guy credit. He's got to come out of some crazy shit at times and do some extravagant things. But, I mean, in a way... He's quite good for the sport, isn't he? <laughs> in that regard, yeah, in that regard, he's bringing the entertainment he's value. He's better than a YouTuber, isn't he? You know <laughs> I mean? That's the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> well, well, the one thing I will say about it is, whilst it is a non-significant fight in a lot of respects, one valid point you've just made is the fact that Eddie Hearn knows that he will bring that support with him because people will come to watch him because no matter what happens with Chisora, he's always in an entertaining fight, a very competitive fight, no matter what you think. So that is exactly why this fight is on because even though both of them have not got any sort of value to it, really, you know, they're at a sort of no-man's-land moment in their careers, but yet they know Chisora can put bums on seats and bring in a, a legit fighter who's already beaten Chisora once and having that rematch. It's just building it up to, to sell tickets. And like you said, you know for a fact people are going to watch it. And because people are going to watch it, they know it's going to make money. So, of course, they're going to put it on, regardless of whether it's significant or not, they're going to put it on. And that's exactly why it's happening. We will be bringing you a big fight preview of that next week. And hopefully we'll be able to do it at a time where he's said some more funny things to, to make it even more entertaining for us to cover. We usually record them at the start of the week so we might end up missing some of that stuff before it obviously happens but we'll uh, we'll certainly see what happens over the next few days uh, but that's it Johnston for this big fight reaction show if you have any comments for anybody listening of course let us know on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter Facebook Instagram and the YouTube channel also if you have not subscribed to us please do you can find us on Apple Podcasts Google Spotify any available podcasting app out there a big shout out to the patrons of the BTR Boxing Podcast Network thank you for all your support as always we really really appreciate you guys and a final note for the episode Legendary Nights Season 3 is back Monday the 4th of July episode number 1 is out I'm really looking forward to dropping that on you guys. I really hope you enjoy it. If you're a patron, just remember, you'll be getting the first three episodes on that Monday. So please make sure you check your private Patreon feed to get them first three episodes. That's it, Fight Fans. We'll be back again this week with another episode, a big fight preview for the weekend's action coming.
Sports Social Podcast Network.